fellow fiends. Welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And today we are talking about The Craft and Ginger Snaps. John totally had to check what movies we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what movies we were talking about this week because we are so behind. I don't think we've ever been so behind on the podcast. Okay, we have never been so ahead on the podcast. So scrambling on the podcast. We recorded the majority of this like three or four weeks ago. Yeah, we were trying to get ourselves prepped and in control of being very, very busy. And we pre-recorded the episode and edited the episode and now we're doing that little bumper with the news bit at the top of the show <laughs> and what has transpired in this time is that we went to the Overlook Film Festival through last weekend which was crazy and insane and amazing and we saw tons of films which we'll talk about but then also we had a flight delay and we got home way later than <laughs> the we real were, horror the real horror we were home way later than we were supposed to get home and then we came home to a website that had crashed which well, we had to fix and we had like have we're still in that situation have like 13 reviews to write and like seven more movies to watch so so okay. keeping it together john Here, we're keeping the it thing. together there there's just you're just frantic and there's just so much negative energy i wanted to set the tone for for, for this intro i am choosing to look at this as nightmare on film street relentless in adversity <laughs> and mine is nightmare on film street crashes and burns my headlines got a little more life to it I think. <laughs> yeah so it's just been a little crazy um great crazy but crazy oh yeah absolutely the overlook film festival is oh it's just like one of the coolest goddamn film festivals we've ever been to more than a film festival it is a four-day celebration of everything horror you have VR experiences. There's this immersive game where you're traveling around the city trying to... And we weren't part of it, but from what I gather, there were murders. There were rituals. I think there was an exorcism at one point, And it looked very strange. Hmm. And on top of all of that, you were doing that smack dab in the center of one of the spookiest cities in North America. It was in the heart of New Orleans' French Quarter in Louisiana, and it was our first time there. So in addition to sneaking in and out of movie theaters all day long, we were trying to get a feel for the city and hit up some restaurants and bars and uh, cemeteries, because that's what you do when you're in New Orleans. You go visit some cemeteries. Oh, the most insane cemeteries. We drove past one on the way to the airport that was, I don't know... 12 city blocks? It was huge. And all of the graves, I'm sure this is information that everybody already knows, but all of the graves are above-ground tombs. And they have really traditional, interesting methods of burial. And it's got a blend of Catholicism and voodoo. There's a lot of um, different spiritualism in New Orleans. So there's 
tons of superstitions and customs that I'm just completely unfamiliar with. It wasn't hard to just point at a stranger and say, hey, uh, tell me a ghost story. Like, everybody there has a ghost story. That was my favorite part of the weekend was doing that. We met so many interesting people with... Uh, and, and so many just varying beliefs. Like, we had people telling us ghost stories by prefacing it with saying, like, I don't believe in ghosts, but this happened to me. Yeah. And you're like, yes, this is going to be great. <laughs> and it was. And, of course, we did find some time to see some movies. Oh, yeah, we totally watched movies. It was a film festival. <laughs> oh, we saw a ton of movies, including Downrange from the director of Midnight Meat Train, Ghost Stories, which I'm sure you've heard a ton about by now, Satan's Slaves, this really cool Indonesian ghost demon movie uh, <laughs> good manners like the cutest werewolf story you've probably ever seen it was like sleeping beauty with werewolves yeah the return of puppet master with the littlest reich written actually by s craig zoller of brawl and subblock 99 and bone tomahawk and of course the world premiere of darren lynn bozeman's saint agatha but we narrowed it down to our top four favorites of the fest to just give you a little lowdown so we don't bogart the entire episode with Overlook coverage. And they were Unfriended, Dark Web from writer-director Stephen Susco, Upgrade from Lee Winnell, Bloodfest directed by Owen Egerton, and, of course, Hereditary from A24, directed and written by Ari Aster. Which everybody has been talking about, and only a few of us have seen, and it was so good, and I'm so ready to talk about it. The movie was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> The scariest movie I think I've ever seen in a movie theater. Oh, yeah. It's it's not uncommon to say, like, I jumped out of my seat. The girl beside me literally jumped out of her seat. I think she, her impulse was to run out of the theater. But she was like, no, 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 I can't go. I gotta stay. I gotta stay. But she just kept curling up into, like, a tighter and tighter ball. The movie was a heart attack. Yeah. I have such a hard time trying to describe, like, the emotions that Hereditary puts you through because fear is a constant. You are afraid <laughs> the entire movie and you don't even know why. Maybe it's just hype that you're afraid. But it takes you through uh, so many different emotions and you're also still feeling fear. So there are moments in the movie that are really sad and emotional and, and you're deeply connected to these characters. Toni Collette is amazing and her acting in this is phenomenal. She makes you feel so many things other than fear, but you're still feeling fear, so it's very conflicting. As an audience, you're like, I'm upset, but I also want to close my eyes. Yeah. Performance-wise, the highlight of the festival for me was, was easily Logan Marshall Green and Upgrade. The physicality in his performance as a man who's become quadriplegic but has now been given the ability to use his limbs again with the assistance of, like, an AI chip, we'll call it, uh, is, is unlike anything that I've ever seen. This movie was wall-to-wall -wall crazy and one of the most interesting futuristic sci-fi stories um that i've that i've ever seen and as somebody who's typically not into that kind of stuff it was so accessible to me because it was really fast-paced it wasn't too highbrow and it was very comedic and when you were saying the physicality logan marshall green is doing these insane stunts but his face is remaining calm and comedic and he's delivering these hilarious lines and the scene is otherwise pretty tense and violent. Oh, and, it's violent. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what really pushes it into like a, like a super fun Midnight Madness genre type film is how much fun they have in those what would otherwise be fast-paced action and then you're done scenes. But there's so much more happening in them and I enjoyed it so much. Oh, it's insane. We also caught Unfriended Dark Web in its Friday night premiere at the Overlook Film Festival and 
you know, we were both interested to see it. I don't think either of us really had huge expectations. I do like the on-screen films oh, yeah. in the same way that I like found footage films in that they're generally not amazing, but I totally guilty pleasure enjoy watching them even if they're not good. Unfriended blew me away in that it is one of the most competent on-screen films I've ever seen, if not the. It oh, is yeah. so totally utilizing that genre in a way that I didn't think it could be. I thought that using only a laptop screen was limiting your movie too much and making it a little gimmicky. Yeah. But it and doesn't detract from this film at all. It's a genre that, you know, like, I, I always associated with found footage, but it's it's a genre of that found footage style that I had assumed like everything you could do with it was already done. Yeah, I thought it was kind of like, okay, we've done these digital movies now. I think we're, we're through with them. Yeah, this completely refreshes it, and I, I have absolute faith in that style of filmmaking again. I'll watch another ten before I turn my back on it because of Unfriended Dark Web. I don't know if I agree with that, but <laughs> I think uh, they did a really great job in that genre, and I think it was the most successful film of the genre, but I don't know what else there is to do there. <laughs> hey, I am I, always looking for the next surprise. This movie really surprised me, and it's, yeah, easily one of the top movies we saw over the festival. Just backtracking a little bit, I think, to be honest, the next step for these type of movies is not to be movies at all, but to be the new interactive games. See, I am totally waiting for that. I want a game where when you download it and you open it, all of a sudden it's... It, it looks, looks like it's taking over your computer. Right. But it's just a ARG, I guess you would call it. Yeah, like, you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to go to Snapchat, and you open it up, and you have all these messages that are already there, and you go to look at them, and they're from people you don't know, and they are getting more and more terrifying as time goes on. And then you're getting text messages from people you don't know that are trying to tell you to do something or go to another app, and it's... I'm so waiting for that moment where the line between the two is absolutely blurred, but it is really going to be scary. Yeah, like, I think the only thing missing from these digital horror films is that level of interactivity. Mm. They need to... The next step of evolution is to go from 2D to a blurred version of 3D. It needs to be on your screen, and you need to be able to, at least in some way, feel you're interacting with the characters, maybe in a choose-your-own-story-style development. Yeah, see, this is this is why we should have done more of those interactive games. Um, they scare me. <laughs> they, they, they do. We, we actually did one called In Another Room. It's a It's a interactive play and you're a participant in the play and it's only meant for four people and we went into a room and we performed a seance with a ouija board and i uh, was on patrol mode the entire time i was like okay these are where all the doors are that are closed that may open yeah and then we had to sit on the bed and i was like there's a there's a skirt and i can't i don't want to do this so i literally oh just... i didn't even think about that somebody being under the bed you didn't even think about. i was like no. didn't you see why i sat cross-legged i didn't have any legs on the ground no nope, did <laughs> not like, bother me whatsoever nobody is reaching out and grabbing my ankle like i'm not having that it was, it was super scary though there was there was an actress there who was the ghost in the room that the other actress couldn't see and she was whispering the messages that were spelling out on the ouija board to us in our ears oh it was, <laughs> it was something else but the last movie that we saw on our favorites from the weekend is owen Egerton's Bloodfest. Such a fun, just crazy adventure of a horror movie. Oh yeah, if you are fans of Tucker and Dale vs. Evil or Cabin in the Woods, just like those meta horrors that analyze this genre, this is the movie for you. It's hilarious. It's ultra-violent. It is 12 different horror movies in one horror movie. Bloodfest is a 
festival that our characters go to to celebrate all subgenres of horror. But surprise, surprise, when the doors lock and the festival begins, they are in a real horror movie and they have to fight their way through each of them to get to the exit. Yeah, I was describing it to people at the fest almost like if R.L. Stein wrote Labyrinth. Literally like a teenager's horror adventure where you're trying to get to the center of the labyrinth and on every step of the way, there are creatures you don't understand trying to stop you, but all of those creatures are horror movie tropes. My biggest recommendation, if you're going to check it out, is just like pay total attention to the Arborist sequence and all of the the (laughs) backstory of the Arborist character in the Arbor Day fictional horror movie because that was just fucking gold. That, that's a franchise that I, I wish existed now. I would love for a spin-off <laughs> of this movie to be the first Arbor Day film. Oh, yeah. And all the tropes of that um, that character, that slasher villain. It sounds great. Oh, so cool. Of course, if you want to hear more about these movies and every other movie that we've mentioned at the top of this episode, head over to nofspodcast.com. We've got full reviews on each of them. It coming and present. <laughs> coming and present. We're still currently working on some of them. And we, we also have a few other movies we haven't watched yet, so look out for those other... Um, look out for more reviews coming for our continued coverage of the 2018 Overlook Film Festival. Yeah, it was totally amazing. If you get the opportunity to go next year, they haven't announced anything yet. We're not sure if it's going to be in New Orleans again or where it's going to be, but... If you get the chance, buy a badge, book your hotel early, and go. It is so much fun, and you're surrounded by people who love the genre, who work in the genre, filmmakers, industry, and fans like us, and it is so much fun, and there's so much to do. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. We are the werewolves, mister. We are going to talk about the craft and ginger snaps right now. To the other kids at St. Bernard Academy, they were the girls who didn't belong. Whatever you do, stay away from them. Why? They're witches. But after years of being on the outside... Why'd you lie about me? I don't want to go out with you again. Please, stop begging. It's pathetic. Four girls are about to discover the dark side. You ever heard of invoking the spirit? Black magic. We can make things happen. I mean, this is it. This is real. So The Craft from 1996. So currently sitting at a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 3.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Roger Ebert didn't review this one? Uh, I didn't look it up. I'm sure he loved it. Of course. The combination of teenagers and witches was such a perfect pairing. Yep. One brought to life on the screen by Veruza Balk and something ten- Robin Tunney. Wow. <laughs> and that stereotypical 90s soundtrack where we're going to take all the songs we would like to have, but then just have... A lesser version. <laughs> yeah, like some new band, fresh on the scene, lended to us from Warner Music, recording their cool cover. Who? What's the cover? Oh, who's the fucking opening track? Is it Blue Oyster Cult? That's something that the 90s loved. The 90s loved cover songs. Can I? Well, because they were like, let's grungeify, grungeify everything. <laughs> put some grunge, put some plaid on it. <laughs> Everybody needs that Seattle tone. Hey, you've got no holes in those knees. Why was that a style, to have the plaid shirt tied around your waist? Because you're busy rocking. You're busy rocking? You're warm. And you're, t- you're, okay. You're too cool. And all your friends it. are dirtbags, so you can't leave a shirt resting Somebody anywhere. might steal it. Yeah, of course, that makes sense. <laughs> Okay, what was your, I want to hear this, because I feel 
girls, yeah. at least of my age and I wanted to say genre, but that's not the term. Okay. Um, gender? Girls of your gender? No! <laughs> What's the age group? Like, millennials. Your like demographic? Girls, yes, yeah. well, fine. <laughs> girls of my demographic. We all stumbled upon the craft in a similar fashion, I would assume. Okay. I want to know what it was like for boys. Like, did you have that same... Was there, like, a, a stigma surrounding it? Like, I wasn't allowed to see this movie. This was probably the only movie... In the history of movies I saw as a kid that I shouldn't have, I was not allowed to see The Craft, which is strange because it's an R-rated film and shouldn't be, doesn't need to be, there's no nudity. This is rated R. Yeah, and there's Mm. very little swearing. It's purely for the subject matter. It's girls behaving badly, and I don't think people like that. It's really one girl behaving badly and three girls just Witchcraft laughing. Witchcraft is very non-Christian, though, Jonathan. It's very uncouth. <laughs> if there was ever a roadblock that was stopping me from seeing this movie as a kid, it was definitely that. I think this was well before the... <laughs> Dad <laughs> satanic panic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like the, uh, I don't know, the era of church going. It was well before that. I definitely did not have a moment where... My eyes were opened, and I I finally saw the craft. For me, it was more like, oh, there's this movie. And it's got that girl from The Waterboy and that guy from Scream. Yeah, I'll watch it. And it was, I just watched it, and it was good. Like, it it wasn't this pivotal moment in my my youth. Because I didn't finally see myself on screen, is probably it. uh, Well, (laughs) see myself on screen. Thanks, John. Which one am I? (laughs) The Uh evil one? Any of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, I... I wasn't allowed to watch it, and therefore it became my sole goal as a child to Understandable, watch it. Understandable, yeah. But my sister owned it, and... What a bitch. It was rated... She wouldn't let you see it? <laughs> no, no, it was rated that period where she was, like, becoming a teenager and going out all the time, and so I would just go in her room and, oh. like, not touch anything and sit, like, in the middle of the bedroom, <laughs> like, on the floor, and put the VHS in, and then just sit there, oh, okay. not touching anything for two hours, and I would watch it. I thought you were going to say she wouldn't let you see it. I'm, well, I'm sure she wouldn't have if she known I was in there. But yeah, right. as, as an I older didn't touch brother, anything. it is a standard move. Like, oh, you, you can't have this? Well, I'm going to do everything in my fucking power to make sure you can't sneak it. But the the thing about the parenting in that whole scenario is that they're like, now your sister has this really awesome movie about weird and dark stuff, and we know you're kind of developing an affinity for weird and dark <laughs> stuff, so don't you touch it. And then she's like, hey, bye, I'm going out for seven hours. And my parents are like, yeah, we're going to be downstairs for five hours and not check on you. And I was like, okay, I'll watch twice. I'll <laughs> <laughs> watch it twice. And that's how, that's how Kim was introduced to the craft. I seem to recall only one movie... Child's Play was a big one. I don't know why. But that was this was back at the time where you had to call to let them know where you were going and what you were doing. <laughs> Checking uh, I, in. Yeah, I called to check in to let them know that we had rented Child's Play at, at the the movie store. What what are they? The rental. Video, the video <laughs> rental store. <laughs> oh no, I'm fading. I called to check in to say that I was going to my friend's house and watch Child's Play. Why did like, you say oh, Child's Play? Oh, no, you're not. Why did you say it? Dumb no rookie idea. move, John. I think it was because I was like, it's a fucking movie about a toy. Like, let me watch this shit. And you they were like, like yeah, we're, going, we're doing crafts. We went to Michael's and we bought string. <laughs> yeah, I get grounded for going to that store. Like, that was too far away. You were only permitted to go to the video store. Fuck! <laughs> yeah, and they made me they made me return it. <laughs> I had to go back to the video store oh. and return the movie. And they're like, did, did this not work? Is, is it okay? I'm like, I'm not allowed to see it. <laughs> like, meanwhile, the video clerk was probably just like, fuck your parents, man. Just go watch it. <laughs> I, was, I was too honest 
I returned it, and a week later I did it again. <laughs> so whatever. I just and at that point I just didn't tell him. Oh man, I remember my my like first big revelation that my parents didn't care about horror movies. Yeah, was when. Linda, this is, like, totally dating myself. When Halloween H2O came out, Mm -hmm. which was, I assume, 2000. Around there, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to assume. 20 years after the original. uh, Really? Yeah, I think it was, how old would I have been? 11? 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah, and we had, like, we had this cool, awesome, big screen TV. Now, in... Gonna watch that, that yeah. super cute Josh Hartnett <laughs> running for no, his life. Yeah, big screen TVs way back then were these huge, big honkers that were, like, oh, yeah. 500 pounds, and they had a box at the back of them that was longer than they were wide. Yep. And, yeah, I remember my parents renting it, and I came downstairs, and they were watching it, and I was like, what is this? They're like, oh, it's a new horror movie. It's so great. I remember just sitting on the floor and, like... And watching it with um, them? The kid from Third Rock from the Sun got a shoot in the face, and I was like, what is happening? Why is this? What? Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in that movie? Yeah, he is. I don't remember that at all. It's been a while. Yeah, and see, it obviously left an impression on me, because I don't remember anything, and I remember that shoot in the face. I just remember the end of that movie. It's, it's funny, though, because my parents weren't big on horror movies. Like, I didn't come from a big horror movie family or anything. Yeah. But there was an importance surrounding Halloween. It was like, oh, no, you have to watch this one. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis is back, and she's going to get him, finally, this time. And we're like, okay, wait a minute. What is Halloween? <laughs> yeah. I am familiar with the concept. Please let me know about this illustrious franchise that I'm <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, mm, costumes? Or, and they're like, no. But yeah, the craft. <laughs> yeah, the craft. I don't. I don't really have a, a big moment of where I remember seeing the craft for the first time. But it was pretty big when it came out. I think it's because at that age you just super look up to teenagers, like they're the coolest shit, and you can't fucking wait to be one. And then you get there, and you're just like, oh, this is all right. I guess we've all got our own problems. <laughs> Teen- yeah, teenager films are always fun, especially when you have these like subversive characters and. I don't know why it was deemed, like, so risque. When you actually watch the film, you're like, yeah, they're just witches. Yeah, they don't worship the devil. I mean, there, there's one that's a little evil, but she's doing her. She's, yeah. She, she's got an unfortunate situation. I was going to say, almost justifiable, right? Like, she's like a Spider-Man villain. You, you kind of feel bad for her, it, it, definitely, at the end. But throughout the entire movie. I don't movie. know if I've ever felt bad for her. Yeah. Which is terrible because when you say that, you're right. You should have empathy for her because, I mean, her stepdad's a bag of shit. And he definitely touches her inappropriately. And mm. her mom is... Drunk. Definitely drunk. <laughs> the whole movie. She's definitely drunk. Nobody's buying a entire jukebox filled with one obscure country <laughs> artist sober. Well, and you you get a bit of backstory that um, Skeet Ulrich's character, Chris, pulled the same stunt that he pulled on Mm -hmm. Sarah on Nancy. And she liked him, too. She definitely liked him. Yeah, no, she definitely liked him. Or she definitely... Liked. I'm saying past tense here. Because of the bullshit that he's pulled, that has completely gone away. But maybe it's just because, like, Feruza Balk plays such a crazy, wild-eyed character that... 
I, I don't, the sympathy is not my natural response to that character. I'm just yeah. like, whoa, that bitch is wild. <laughs> and she's definitely the mean girl of the group when we're first introduced to all of them. She dismisses all of her friends. She talks about them like they're idiots. And Sarah's the new girl. And she's like, oh, you can't convince them to do this. You can't talk sense into them. Like, she's talking like they're not fucking there. Yeah, and there's this weird hierarchy, too, because Sarah's new girl. She comes to this Catholic school, and they're the first people that she meets at science class. She needs to find a partner or whatever. And they speak for her. Even though they're all sitting in the same space, Nancy doesn't address her personally in their first encounter. And yeah. it's really weird. It's weird, but it's great writing. Because no, you, it you is totally great. get the, the, the hierarchy of that group right away. She is the alpha girl. Yeah, and but they speak falls in line. they speak about her in third person while she's sitting right there, and it just gives you a vibe. Like <laughs> you're just like, what a bitch. There is never, that is that is definitely a phrase that is never used in a positive way. You've never walked away thinking, this guy's really nice. He gives me a vibe. Like, you've never, <laughs> ever said that. I have vibes about him. Yeah. But no. Like, yo, this girl's giving vibes, <laughs> and I don't like it. We should go home. <laughs> but it's cool, too, for her character, because you find out, like, she takes literally the same path that Sarah does, at least in love. Mm. And she's got a wall up, but her wall is her cronies. But she's had to develop that wall over time. She's got nothing else going but those cronies, what do you, right? What do you think their spells were like before Sarah turned up? Because in the beginning, the cold open is them doing this like really mystical chant, and there's all these this cool paraphernalia and stuff, and it's, it really sets the like the tone and the vibe of the film. It's good scene. But you realize that they're really struggling to do anything of value because they don't have a fourth. Their coven isn't complete. Yeah. And Sarah, who happens to be a natural witch, who kind of has these like magic things about her before she even uh, joins the group so powerful uh shut up <laughs> <laughs> so i just assume that they're just chanting and doing spells and like looking for seeing like the bull fizzle and that's really it like oh like we made some smoke today like I... big improvement team because <laughs> i don't Put that in the log <laughs> yeah i don't assume that they're natural witches i assume that they've been studying and trying and they're really trying to conjure these spells but they're not getting a whole lot why do you think the power gets to their head so fast they're not natural witches they don't respect the craft they're not putting the fucking time in they're just here for fun and laughs and yeah, I think they are, they're, they're chanting. I think they're trying to do the exact same spells that they do later in the movie. They're trying to get the, get revenge on the mean girls in the school and just anybody that's affecting their life. You know, mm. Nev Campbell's praying to have her scars go away or something and this other one wants her stepdad to die or at the very least to fall into $100,000. <laughs> but nothing's happening. Like, they're, they're praying, not praying, they're chanting and they're doing spells, hoping this girl's hair is going to fall out or something. And then two and a half weeks later, she stubs her toe and it's like, ooh, yes, perfect, it's working. Like, they're just, nothing's going on. Yeah. I think they're chanting for no reason and, and looking at coincidences like it's, like they're actually affecting something. Yeah, like, you could argue that maybe Feruza Balk's character is also a natural witch, but that mm. Bonnie and Rochelle are definitely, like, cronies. Because Feruza Balk definitely gets really strong quickly, especially... Well, she's like, got the power of, like, a thousand beached whales. I, well, yeah, I guess, they're mine! These are my gifts! <laughs> <laughs> she's so crazy. She's nuts, and I he's love her. He's inside me! He's everywhere! And you're like, oh, God, turn down. Yeah, turn down a little bit. Um... <laughs> What is what is she doing now? She used to be in tons of movies, right? 
She's always played the crazy girl, so I I would probably also times guess... are tough for the the crazy girl. So you're saying I maybe? Think... Well, I was looking through for both movies. I was looking through the cast listings and stuff. It looks like they're doing a lot of TV, like a yeah. lot of guest starring on TV. We don't watch a lot of TV. I mean, when you're when you're older, though, like That's... settling down age, TV is like the the cream of the crop because you don't have to leave the city for it, and you can like have your family and your roots and stuff. Phil it's like is... a Monday to Friday job. We... Even guest starring isn't quite, but at least you get to stay in town with with film you're like oh we're going to nicaragua today and it's for three months since i go by your family yeah and you're like okay great let's do 16 hours again that's fun i suppose that's true i would like to see her in more stuff though i've always enjoyed her her acting she's she can play she can play just off just off kilter better than anybody else yeah she's crazy uh i really like robin tunney in this though she plays sarah the lead Mm -hmm. she's got this cool i don't know there's she's got she plays a character that's got a lot of vulnerability and she also has this backstory her mom died giving birth to her she's attempted suicide we Mm -hmm. don't know there's there's no reasoning or backstory as to why yeah but you know that it's either depression or she's struggling to come to terms to these magical abilities she seems to have or that she doesn't fit in because she is kind of different. But she she has a strong head on her shoulders. Normally when you have these, like, I'm the new girl coming to a new school, you're nervous and shy and a wallflower and stuff. And after Nancy and the crew are mean to her and Skeet Ulrich's character comes on to her, she cuts him down. Like, she's got some, she's got some power already on her own when she should be vulnerable and weak. And that's a really interesting thing about her character because it kind of comes full circle at the end because she's... Sort of, like, I assume, meant to be a, a lone wolf. Yeah, she, she didn't need the power of these other girls. She had it inside her all along. She didn't need to join the group. All yeah. she needed was the confidence to be alone. Yeah. And she's... I don't know. I, I really like her as a character. As a kid, I really looked up to her character because, um, I mean... You deal with mean girls in your regular life. I've dealt with a lot of mean girls in my life. And it's it's hard to let it slide off your back. And mm-hmm. it's cool to see characters who, by all means of the story, should let like should take it to heart and should be really wounded by that. And to see her being like strong and cool in those situations, I was like, yeah. I could just, all I imagine is you, <laughs> as a little girl watching this movie two times in one evening, <laughs> sitting in your sister's, like, messy bedroom, where... Her the... room was clean. My room was messy. And really? It, yeah, it was... What kind of teenager has a clean bedroom? There's something going on there. <laughs> I'm sure your sister wasn't, like, a serial murderer, <laughs> and she's just giving it up. I don't think she was that exciting. <laughs> okay. Just imagining you sitting in that bedroom... Uh, watching these girls get off a bus <laughs> and the bus driver's like, hey girls, watch out for the weirdos. Oh my god. And you're just like, here it is. Fist pumps in the air. We are the weirdos. I'm like, Kim, shut up up there. <laughs> we should have never given her that air horn for her birthday. <laughs> That's funny. But you know, Sarah, uh, I got, side note, I'm having a really hard time uh, not assuming that Nancy is the main character. Like, I am I keep wanting to call Sarah Nancy. So in my mind, before I say each of their names, I have to go, I bind you, Nancy. I, <laughs> I bind you from doing harm. Okay, cool. Yep, that's the bad guy. That's the bad girl. We're going to we're gonna get through this, John. Um, 
She's got to be fucking tough. Like, how could you go through life with no confidence when there are fucking strangers walking up to you with snakes telling you that they've seen you die in their dreams? Okay, I wanted to talk about him because he has confounded me since I first saw this movie. Maybe because I was too young to be like, oh, Harbringer, I get it. It was okay. Um, Do you think... There is anything more to his character than the fact that he is just the instigator for them to believe they um, have the power to make things happen. So he appears in Sarah's house when they're first moving in, and he's got this snake, and he's super skeevy and really creepy, and he tells her that, yeah, he's seen her die, and she's like, whoa, that's fucked. And then later, when the coven are walking through the sketchy area of town, he comes up to them again. Hey, I gotta tell you something. I gotta talk to you. Good impression. It's not bad. Thank you for that. Yeah, Yeah. we couldn't have pictured it without that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And he gets hit by a car, and all of the girls believe they made it happen because they were all thinking the thinking same it thing. or wishing it or trying to will it to happen. It's just how they know that as the four of them together, they're able to con all fucking points, north, south, east, west. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, then they're the coven. Call yeah. the corners, John. Call the corners. <laughs> but do you think... I don't know. I like to think that he he is channeling that same like natural wave that they are and maybe he's not a natural witch but because he's schizophrenic possibly yeah he's got some mental health issues he's homeless and probably on drugs and probably in his head a lot Mm. that he maybe has premonitions or he's just in tune with things and he is actually trying to warn her about something but because he is a little crazy it's coming off very different than he's intending i'm with you on that one i totally think that's the way it is i think he is the he has that natural ability he's tapping into it maybe he's been diagnosed with some sort of mental illness but chances are good i would assume in his backstory that he's talked about seeing ghosts or having visions maybe ghosts the wrong word his entire life and, you know, was maybe eventually passed through the system and given medication and shock therapy, who knows? And eventually, yeah, wound up on the streets. But there's nothing necessarily wrong with him. He's just like Sarah. And, you know, unfortunately, his life took a different turn than hers did. Yeah, which is kind of cool, too, because you also have that other hand of the coin. Like, you don't want to end up like Nancy. Because Nancy ends up like... That guy. Yeah. She ends up in the crazy house. That fucking... In the straight jacket with, like, that iconic, like, he loves me, he's coming for me, So, her final words in that movie, I think, are, I'm flying. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm flying. I'm flying. And she can remember doing that. And now, she's on medication a ton. And she's just locked in her fucking head. And as far as she's concerned, I assume, because she's high on drugs... She has... She she still has all the power of Manol. (laughs) Oh. Can we talk about Manol for a minute? I like like the analogy. I hate the name. And I hate how much they say it. Um, for, For me, it's a lot like saying lycanthrope. In a werewolf movie, is Man- yeah. like I imagine Minos a thing in in uh, the Wiccan mythology. Was that was that what you'd call it? Mythology? I lore. Sure, I don't know. Okay, but I I like it as watching it as a layman. Like you need it to feel like this subculture you haven't tapped into. Okay, and I think using a lot of the rules of Wiccan the Wiccan religion. Mm-hmm. 
that they do, they use, like, the power of three times three, which is a real thing. And I think the calling the corners thing is a real thing. I also think the binding thing is a real thing. They consulted a lot of people who are into Wicca. Feruza Balk was into Wicca. So, as far as, like, witchy movies and witchy television goes, this one's pretty close to... I mean, it's got those that Hollywood flair, like, people don't conjure snakes in real life. Yeah. Or change their hair color. I was gonna one say could, that, I'm so glad you brought it up! <laughs> one could argue they could, but one could argue they could not. But do you um, think it's just a glimmer? Do you think that it's only visible for the three people in that room? Like, do you think if... Nancy walked out of that party and downstairs, we would have seen two Sarahs. Well, I mean, we could also argue that a glimmer is what happens when evangelical crazy preachers make people pass out when they touch their hand on their forehead. But, I mean, it's all based on the religion that you partake in. So, so I mean, I get that feeling when I'm at a concert where the music's really loud and I'm kind of drunk. So, we all find God in places. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember what my point was, but, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. And that's probably why it's been so popular. Every person who saw this movie before the age of 12 would be lying if they did not dabble in being Wiccan during their pre-high school, early high school years. Sure. I had a book of shadows. I mean, I doodled cats in it mostly, but... Book of shadows. I don't quite know what that is. It's a spell book. Okay. Where you, like, write spells in. So, okay, thank you. So there's... (laughs) Does everybody have their own spells? Is that what it is? Because it's like you write your spells in it and you don't let anybody else read it. Well, it's kind of like the secret thing. Like, you conjure (laughs) what you produce. So there are spells that exist, but... You could write your own, I assume. You know what everybody's introduction to this is? Like, the book of spells that you don't let anybody read? Fucking birthday wishes. Like, <laughs> you are priming your kids for Wicca if you are telling them that they can have a birthday wish as long as they don't fucking tell anybody or it won't come true. Like, that I is... I don't know if my birthday has ever been so serious before. <laughs> <laughs> you never had anybody grab you by the collar and tell you that this is fucking serious? And you... Fucking blow out those candles. Blow Mally, you mean it. What if I only get half of them? Like, well, then shame to your family. All right, we didn't believe that one. We're going round two on this. Light those candles again. Somebody get another Dairy Queen cake project. Give me some emotion. All right, people, I want real goggles this time. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we haven't tackled the plot of this movie. Okay, so Sarah's a new girl. She can balance pencils on her desk. Uh, Nev Campbell notices. <laughs> so cool. Nev Campbell notices, brings her into the coven. They kill a homeless guy together, like all teenagers, just out on Friday night looking for a cool thrill kill. And then they decide, you know what? What if we try to do this but not get caught? Let's use magic. <laughs> like, I think I'm doing a pretty good job breaking down this movie. Really, it's about a group of girls that are witches and dabbling in it. And they try and speak to and harness the power of Minot. Um, no. No, my mistake. Minaw. I'm going to continue to pronounce this wrong, so if you wanted to just say it after me, that's fine. You know, if, if for context, if God and the devil were to play a football game... Shut up! <laughs> would be the field they played on. And I'll say right now, I think that's a great analogy. I think that's I think that is a fun way of presenting who he is. Um, like Mother Nature, but... And there's the other thing. I, I am glad that we didn't really go with a Mother Nature type thing because I don't know that I would have seen inherent evil in that. Mm -hmm. What I like most about this movie is similar to that. It's the, all of the lines of the shopkeeper. There's this magical shopkeeper that they visit a few times Mm -hmm. and the girls are kind of grifters. They steal stuff. They're... Well, it's not their fault. I mean, they have a five finger discount at that store. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Laminated cards and everything. Um, But... She is the one that says that magic is neither good nor bad. 
and like witches are neither good nor bad, which is is really cool um, when it comes to Sarah, Robin Tunney's character, because she, in the end, understands that. Yeah. And there's kind of a glimmer in her eye at the very end, even though all that has transpired, like Nancy's taken it to a very dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, Bonnie and Rochelle have lost their powers because you assume that they didn't really have natural ones to begin with. Mm-hmm. And it's kind They're of just been hangers on. Yeah, it's kind of been revoked because they misused it. It got to their heads. But Sarah, she drops a fucking branch on them. <laughs> And you're like, that was a little uncalled for, but... She pulls out fucking, like, a sky's worth of clouds, thunder, lightning, and a branch. oh, yeah, this is over, but it's still high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I like that, because there's... That's what I always liked about Sarah's character, because there's a little bit of fire about her. She's not just this um, positive charge to to Nancy's negative charge. Mm -hmm. She isn't 100% good. What she does to Chris is kind of awful. There's a scene, so she wishes that Chris will love her. She went on a date with him. He told everybody that they had sex, even though they didn't, and everybody was making fun of her and kind of slut-shaming her. So her wish, when they called the power, was that he would fall hopelessly in love with her. Mm -hmm. And he does, and it's weird, and it's this creepy obsession, and he's calling her at all hours of the night, and he's hanging out at her house. She tries to kind of reason with him and get him to understand where that feeling is coming from, but he... He just has this insatiable desire to be near her at all times. Yeah, but it's almost like it becomes like he wants to consume her. I agree. Uh, He tries to rape her at one point, and it's a really dark scene. Like, that's probably the scene that really pushed this to an R rating. It's kind of scary. He throws her in the dirt, and he's got her hands above her head, and he's he's trying to rape her. But... How does that stop? Does somebody hit her? She, She? I think she kicks him in the groin, and she runs up the hill. Good. Uh... But the weird thing about that magic is this is all due to a spell that she caused. Like, she was the one that instigated um, the entire obsession. So him loving her is her... Construct. Not, I don't want to say raping him, but mm. physically he's trying to rape her, but she's messed, she's messed with his free will and his emotions. Yeah. It's really twisted. It's almost more of a violation. Yeah, there's something really dark about what she, what power she has wielded over him. Yeah, because if... He was a dick beforehand, this... but I don't think he had the capability to rape somebody beforehand. No, he was it, just a douche. If things continue to play out, his entire life will be her. Nothing that he does won't be centered around her. He would be. He now has an awful fucking existence. He's basically a robot for her desire. Yeah, I mean, maybe that maybe that's the whole point though about conjuring this this spell from a bad place is that Manol is trying to teach them a lesson, and Mm. he's he's like, oh yeah, you want this? I'm going to give it to you at 180 percent. What if those fucking uh, beached whales are a warning? Like this is the power you are tackling with. Be fucking warned and be careful. See, that's cool. And they I don't heed that warning. I didn't ever think of it like that. But maybe that's the whole point is that they they want it for selfish gain. Yeah. And that's why in the end when she calls the power of Manal to fight Nancy, she is able to defeat her because she's doing it for like a righteous reason. She's trying to stop this person who's gone bonkers insane. And that's why she gets to keep the gift at the end because mm. she was doing it for the right reasons. It's like trying to get the genie's lamp. Only the... Oh, no, it's the diamond in the rough. I was going to say, like, only, like, the the well-intentioned good-hearted may enter. But uh, not the same. 
<laughs> uh, what is your rating for the craft? For my rating for the craft. Oh, it's hard. Um, fuck, this is a good movie. This is a really good movie. I, I think it's one that I appreciated more the longer I... Like, the more I returned to it, obviously. When I first saw it, it was just kind of a throwaway. Like, oh, teen movie about girls. Like, I was at a point where I just wanted movies about boys, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to give this movie a pretty strong 3 out of 4. Probably quite a bit lower than you're aiming at. 3.5 out of 4. Oh, there's not 4 out of 4 for you. Uh, no, I'm just sparing with my 4s. Yeah. Before we move on, though, I do want to ask you one quick question. Okay. Unrelated to anything that we've talked about. Okay. What do you like more? The craft or practical magic? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and I want you to talk through it a little. No. I can't. You know I... what? You don't, you don't need to give us any reason. Just practical magic or the craft. Practical magic. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 both discovered it around the same time. That's what I figured. I figured these both came at the right moment in your life, and they have sat with you for years. I think I wanted to be an adult more than I wanted to be a teenager, and that may be the only reason that well, I... Well, goddamn. I clung to Practical Magic more. I think I still want to be a teenager. That might be oh, I do now. Now that I'm an adult, I <laughs> yeah. want to be a teenager. Oh, God, let me back. Make me young again! Revert! Revert! <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain... Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Next up. Ginger Snaps from 2000. Let's get out of here. Ginger! What was it? A big dog, maybe? Whoa. Whoa? That's it? Whoa? Think you see werewolves a lot? Did I change last night? Howl at the moon? Oh my god. You think I want to go back to being nobody? You're so dead. They're just being normal teenage girls. I'm not dying in this room with you! She's gone. 2000 is such a weird date to say. Currently sitting at a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, an 89% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 70% on Metacritic. Oh, and a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. You're just adding Ds to everything now. You said Metacritic. Whatever. Whatever. I have to say. Yeah. Ginger Snaps is one of those movies that I don't revisit often. Mm -hmm. So every time I do, there's at least an hour or two hour window after I watch it where I can't get over the fact that how well it holds up. It's, oh fuck, it holds up so goddamn well. Yeah, I, 
every time I finish watching, I'm like, why don't we watch this all the time? Right? Why is this not a go-to? When it comes, yeah. like, so we watch Super Dark Times and we're clawing for, like, a new coming-of-age movie or just a coming-of-age movie we haven't seen in a while. Why is it not Ginger Snaps? Yeah, and I always recommend it to people because when people are like, oh, what's another good teen horror? What's another good coming-of-age movie? Especially now, everybody's on that Stranger Things and that It kick. Coming-of-age is huge. Ginger Snaps, if you have not revisited in a while, is such a good movie. We might also recommend it because it's a Canadian movie. So I think this is a relatively popular movie, right? Cult-wise, I don't think it did good initially, but I think it kind of hit at the VHS circuit. It's not as though this movie exists out of time, but it's also not stuck in the 90s or stuck in the early 2000s we're not we don't have people using flip phones and we don't necessarily have strong fashion that's really implanting it in a specific point so i think it's easy to go back to and watch regardless Mm -hmm. it's very suburbs though it's so suburbs okay so i mean that could have been anywhere from the 60s to now yeah but i think that's something great about it because the middle class is suburbs. Yeah. Uh, middle class is your movie-going public. Those are the audiences you are selling all of your theater tickets to. And setting a movie for teenagers in the suburbs, for teenagers in the suburbs, you see your world on the screen. Maybe it's especially so for us because we grew up in the area where they filmed, and it is literally our afternoon special oh, that yeah, we're like, watching. It's so nuts. All it is the weird. houses look the like fences, our houses. The backyards. <laughs> and you're like, I think I played in that backyard yeah all of the brickwork i don't know if that really makes sense but these houses are all made by the same developer yeah like i could walk outside right now snap a photo of the street and it would look exactly like an exterior shot in this movie yeah that was the fun thing about growing up in toronto area because so much of the content on tv was made in toronto there was a, a big i don't know how it happened but there was a big like tv development surge in like the early 90s where all of the tv that we watched on the kids channel was made around us well i mean you, you change a few signs and all of a sudden toronto's new york yeah and you get a sweet ass tax break for filming up here but there's not a lot of canadian television for adults i think there is if you look for it but nothing that we'd be interested in yeah like oh the 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 new the new doctors in town the in biggest rural one I, alberta the biggest one i think is like i mean there's like corner gas um which Orf- is back. <laughs> Orf- it's a cartoon. Orphan Black, which is done by the director of this movie. No way. Mm-hmm. That's like our big TV show. Well, yeah. It's like a True Bloody, I think, type TV show. I think it's more like a Lost thing. Or Dollhouse might be a closer comparison. I think it's like True Blood. I wish I'd or seen Buffy this show. The I've heard Star. nothing but great things about it, and it's over. So, I mean, we could binge it if we want. I don't like TV. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many movies to watch. Yeah. Mini series, I'm down for. It's because it's a long movie. Yeah, I just mm. you like you hate commercial breaks. No, I like commercials sometimes. But my biggest thing about TV is I don't like open endedness, and I hate the oh we're extended for another season, so let's just write some more shit for our characters to get into, and then they fall into these tropes, and there's all this like lovelorn shit, and characters that have fallen in love have to break up because they have twelve more episodes to fill, and nobody wants to watch a happy relationship for twelve episodes. Yeah, but when they can make you forget about that, isn't it so great? Mm. Like, there's no way Mad Men isn't that. But when you watch the first four seasons, there's a couple seasons though where you're like, they I... extended them when they shouldn't have. <laughs> I think they extended that show just so John Hamm could finally get a fucking Emmy after. Yeah, they're like, okay, Brian Breaking Bad, yeah. Breaking Bad is over, so we gotta push it another year. Yeah, I just don't like when things are written without the end. In mind that's my biggest thing 
with a yeah. film, you are writing to something. You are you're dropping hints. There's tension. There's suspicion. There's metaphors and hidden elements. With television, you don't get the opportunity to do that because um, you're like, okay, well, these are the, this is the story arc for this season, and then you start up another season, and you have to do the exact same thing again, and. It just gets messy by the yeah, end. I mean, by like, season eight, everybody's fucked everybody already twice. Yeah, <laughs> twice. Yeah, I, I mean, like there, there's, uh, there's pros and cons for each format, and really, at the end of the day, I think it kind of comes down to preference. But it is also the difference between like a full blog and a tweet. Like there is having that restriction. You've only got, you know, well, two hundred eighty characters now. You have to really choose what you want to say in that space. This is the same with a movie. You have a defined amount of time. Yeah. We'll say ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes. You got to get it. You got to get an entire series, four seasons of a show, in two hours. And how are you going to do it without sounding muddled? How are you going to do it with paying without ignoring characters and keeping the pacing up? Yeah, I will say streaming though has changed the platform a lot because we're finding a lot of edit. Um, anthology series channel zero which Mm -hmm. is doing a different thing every season american horror story to a lesser story extent yeah um definitely more of a channel zero guy yeah uh (laughs) so tv is kind of the boundaries that existed before and like okay we're putting out a new episode every sunday so this episode this season is a 56 episode season you can put out a 10 episode season you can throw it right on netflix everybody can watch it in one sitting and you don't have to write for okay we're gonna do a three minute pause here and we're gonna fade to black we come back you need to reintroduce everything that happened in the last scene that doesn't exist anymore so the writing in television is getting more akin to film so I bet we'd be hard pressed to have the same opinion in five years from now. Yeah, everything's changed already. Mm-hmm. So Ginger Snaps follows uh, two sisters, Ginger and Bridget. Ginger and Bridget. They are. <laughs> is it weird that the next sentence I was going to say is they're fifteen and sixteen and not have have not had their periods yet? Like that seems to be a pivotal fucking point in this story for mom, at least. Yeah, I mean it's weird, but. I I think in every generation there's a couple kids that get it later. Um, like it has to. It depends on like your body weight. Yeah, body weight activity. You need to have not? a certain amount of body fat before it happens. I guess you have to be able to have a baby. Yeah, that's why gymnasts won't necessarily have it, right? Because it's just like, oh, if you got pregnant, it would die. Well, yeah, there's like a, a really active people don't get periods. Yeah. Because they do. I yeah, I don't think they maintain a high enough body weight. Yeah. Or like a body fat percentage. So Bruce Lee, who only had like 2% Doesn't body fat, get probably didn't get no. his period. Okay. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, but Ginger and Bridget, they are really macabre teenagers. Yeah, very like loners and very off on one corner, just the two of them. They are an island unto themselves. Like they are their own society. Yeah, they have this obsession with like death photography oh, and so death videography which you get to see in a really good uh, montage in the opening credits which is yeah. really cool don't you love it when they fucking use the opening oh credits i love it for I something it. oh. it's not just like oh cool we get to watch a music video while some names get put to me like there's like we're watching the slideshow that they're presenting for class as a project and it tells you a lot about them it, yeah. it separates them from everybody else because nobody else in class is that weird yeah can you <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what's great is you as a teenager you watch them take Taking photos of fake suicides and their suicide note says no comment. You're like, oh, you're so fucking cool. Like, why was why was a wanting to commit suicide like a cool subversive thing that we all admired as teenagers? What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the apathy thing 
apathy was a big maybe a big uh, go-to for teenager emotions yeah. and when you're not the kind of person who's going to rebel against their parents by buying a big truck and staying out all night partying Fine, i'll just kill myself then yeah there's that i'm like, gonna do a really messy upstairs and not let you know so it dries on the floor and you have to clean it yeah like you guys are so obsessed with my goddamn future how do you even know i'm gonna have one oh <laughs> uh, teenager Jim. right i do not miss those emotions <laughs> yeah but it becomes all the more reasonable when you realize that ginger and bridget yep. have a death pact that they want to die together because they are two peas in a pod and nothing will ever get between them. But, oh, wait, puberty, boys. Shit. Yeah. On a trip to kidnap the girl bully, the cool girl. Is that what they're going out to do? I think they're going to kidnap her How dog. How did I fucking miss? Oh, her dog. Yeah. Yeah. Because all the dogs in the neighborhood have been murdered, I guess we could say, eaten by something. Mm -hmm. So they'd completely be able to get away with it. Yep, and Ginger has started her period, and which is like a big deal for the girls because they don't want it, they don't like it, and they don't know how to deal with it. They don't mm -hmm. want to address it. Yeah, because and, it means becoming an adult and becoming a woman. Yes. and Becoming mom. <laughs> um, because Ginger is on her period, they get attacked and mauled by... Um, werewolf. <laughs> Do you think that's why they get attacked? Oh, definitely. You think you don't think it was just that they were outside? Well, why would it be Ginger and not Bridget? I think that the werewolf went after Ginger because she uh, was... Oh, good point. Because she was on her period. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go and ahead. And it's very one-track mind. Like, Bridget is whapping it with her bag, and it's not, like, lunging at her. It's just going after Ginger. That's a real good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because I was going to say that if they if neither of them were were on their period. It would have just attacked whoever was closest. But mm -hmm. you're right, it does not give a shit about Bridget. And even then, afterward, Bridget's like, so I read this thing that bears can smell girls when they have their period, and they'll attack them, they'll come out of the woods, and they'll hunt them down. It's like, I think I think we've all heard that urban legend, <laughs> but I don't know that it's true. I mean, everybody's heard that thing, though, about sharks, like, don't swim in the ocean when you're in your period. Okay. That was just like, okay, I won't. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want to do instead? Watch fucking movies and stay in bed. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> um, you can't relate. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ginger gets attacked. And, uh, and coincidentally enough, after having her period, she begins the change. The wounds heal right away, which kind of weird because she was definitely mauled to the point where she sh should probably have gone to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. uh, the next morning at school, there's fur growing out of the scratches, which is really cool. And she's definitely bleeding a lot more than is normal. Mm -hmm. should, it's probably also worth mentioning that as they were running away, they're really only saved because Sam. Mm-hmm. Because Sam, the local drug dealer, hits the werewolf with his car. He's completely shocked by what the fuck it is. Like, hey, I've hit a dog before. This isn't a fucking dog. I've this hit a dog before? I don't remember what He's he said. 17. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of life are you living, bro? <laughs> Man, you're selling drugs to kids and killing animals. Like, obviously. Just a normal fucking weekend. Actually, I think he's supposed to be older. I think he's supposed to be a creep, like, preying on high school kids. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be college age, but didn't go to college. Yeah, and hanging like, around town. Yeah, and just so we know that he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's the drug dealer and all, but he's also really interested in plants. That's probably why he's, like, growing weed. It's not that he really likes smoking weed, even though he definitely smokes a lot of it <laughs> and makes a lot of money off of it. He's just super interested in plants, bro. <laughs> he lives inside a greenhouse. Yeah. Do you know how fucking hot that would be? That'd be awful. It'd be nice in the wintertime, though. I guess, but probably not, I don't know. What's right? What's the cool location?
interpretation. That's a fun character. I appreciate it. Do Never think, once was I like, that's implausible, even though it super is. Do you think it's just like his parents have a greenhouse and he lives in it? Or do you think he pays rent on that little room? Yeah, I assume like his dad has kicked him out and then he was always helping in summers at the greenhouse. And so that like old Jim who runs the greenhouse was like, you can stay here in the off season. Yeah, and you can grow plants over here. Yeah. Some potatoes. I Definitely s- not any drugs. Maybe yeah. a pepper or two. <laughs> I assume he's got, like, that good guy looking out for him. I don't know. Who cares? Maybe Jim's got glaucoma. And he's like, hey, I think we, you know, we can... Little, what? It, Moving on. That's something you use weed for, right? Glaucoma? I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Ginger starts raging out, though, and she can't contain this new affliction. She eats a dog, the neighbor's dog. I really like that scene. I like that scene a whole lot. She comes home after going out on a date with... Jason. With Jason. The the dude bro of the high school. <laughs> <laughs> He's the skeet Ulrich of Canada. <laughs> oh my god, right? And is he or is he not what's-his-face from Tucker and Dale vs. Evil? I think still he born? is. I yeah. think he's gotta be, right? Yeah, I think so. Chad something. <laughs> Which is all Canadian content. <laughs> Good point. Can't come. 70% of every fucking... Oh, I don't know if you guys have this, but seven, if you have a Canadian radio station, something like 60 to 70% of the content that you play has to be a Canadian artist. And it is For, not like, indie great. rock, it's seven songs, and that's it. And it's oh, seven man. songs. On you repeat. get them twice an hour. <laughs> Fuck, it's killing me. <laughs> play some more LCD sound system. We don't give a fuck about whatever the band in Alberta has to do. She comes home from that date, and she's definitely super sick, and she's hurt. And when she goes to sit beside Bridget, Bridget sees blood, and she's like, hey, if he hurt you, if he did anything, we have to tell somebody. And she's just throwing up blood. The lighting in, the in that scene is so good. I love it. They live in, like, a fucking dungeon, right? Like, they, they've made their room the way it is. Yeah, they live in this, like, unfinished basement. If it were up to mom and dad, they'd be upstairs in oh, definitely. a carpeted room. Definitely. They, they would rather live in a dark room. They're, my whole life <laughs> is a dark room. Yeah, that's... Yep. <laughs> yep, yep, nailed it. She, her, the, the line that Ginger says is genius. She says, I thought I had this, I have this hunger inside me, and I thought it was for sex, but it's just to fucking tear everything apart. I fucking love that line. <laughs> I don't know why. I think, I don't know if it's necessarily just, at, like, regular teenage feelings, or if it's just, it works so goddamn well in a werewolf movie. Yeah. Fuck, I like this movie I don't lot. know why puberty hasn't been used as an analogy for every single horror movie Ever. It's definitely used for a lot, but it should <laughs> always be used. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing... You you will never go through anything more severe in your life yeah. than turning from a kid to an adult. Why do you think we grew up to, like, body horror, guys? Like, we <laughs> went through it. <laughs> this is it. There's nothing you can do. It's going to do a bunch of crazy shit that you have no control over, that you prefer not to happen, and uh, you just got to sit back and let it ride. It's awful. This whole sequence is really good, where she's trying to explain to her how awful the whole situation was. Like, she didn't want to sleep with stupid McGee, but she thought she needed to to stop this hurt that she has, more Mm -hmm. or less. And, you know, he's going to tell everybody that, you know, she's a freak and that they slept together and it's just going to be, like, this huge bragging thing. And Bridget's trying to calm her down by saying, like, yeah, but we'll say the same thing. We'll say he was weird. She's like, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing at all. The whole school's going to know about it. Mm-hmm. The douchebag popular girl is going to know about it. And by the way, can I say, we've we've seen this movie a ton of times. I really like that annoying popular girl. Why is that? Because she has this moment before 
Ginger kills her, where we realize a lot more about her character. Like, I actually feel bad for her when she dies. Not that I shouldn't, but, you know, in a werewolf movie, like, I want people to... I want people to get their faces eaten off. Uh, and I don't want to feel bad about it. Yeah. But when it finally does happen to this popular girl, it's kind of tragic. She is super into Sam, the drug dealer. And obviously Sam is showing more interest in Bridget because he's trying to help her tame this transformation she's having as a werewolf. Mm-hmm. He's got some sort of interest in it. and Yeah, because uh, he thinks Bridget has it, not Ginger. Yeah, that's, that's the way that she's presented it. Because Ginger doesn't want to fucking do anything about it. She just is hoping that it'll go away, I guess, despite mm-hmm. the fact that it gets fucking worse. Well, and also, every day she gets more and more like a werewolf, so she gets more and more wild and the less she cares. Yeah. Which is also kind of fucking cool for a goddamn teenager going through puberty, right? Like, she has all the power in the world and she can do anything without guilt. And she just doesn't feel fucking bad about it anymore well and that's what's really cool in the scene where she wants to kill trina the popular girl Mm -hmm. because she's kind of embracing it at this moment like Mm -hmm. she's gonna toy with this girl like she's kidnapped her at this point there's no way of getting out of this without killing her because she's freaked she is panicked she's trying to escape bridget's trying to talk her down but ginger is just gone she's gone at this point she is like completely succumbed to um the werewolfiness yeah (laughs) (laughs) But when they're outside, right before they they take her in, she's crying, saying that, you know, Sam doesn't actually like you. He's just a cherry hound, is what she says. He only sleeps with girls uh, that are virgins, and then he gets rid of them. That's obviously happened to her. And, you know, whether or not he's an asshole and he did that, that's definitely how she's seeing it. Because she's constantly, throughout the movie, trying to get his attention. Like, hey, do you want my phone number? We should hang out sometime. Okay, yeah, you know, you have my phone number. Okay, bye. Like, he's driving off, and she's still trying to talk to him, but he's not giving her the time of day. Mm Because clearly she liked him, and she lost her virginity to him, this older guy who she shouldn't be hanging around with anyway. And he wants nothing to do with her, and she just keeps trying to be part of his life. It's kind of sad. It's really sad. Mm-hmm. And I never noticed that before, ever. I, I always thought it was weird that, I don't know, I assumed her character would always be into the, the Jason-type character. Yeah, they'd be fighting over him. Yeah, but they don't. No, not at all. They kill her. They hide her body in the freezer. And, you know, and this is so brilliant that they, they spend their entire free time making fake suicide photos. So how do you cover up a murder when your parents are coming through the door? You just pretend like it's makeup. Yeah. <laughs> they snap a photo of her lying in a pool full of milk and blood. They go, oh, it's for extra credit. It's for school. And, like, mom and dad are just like, ah, clean the fucking shit up. Yeah, dad definitely knows something's up. Dad has no proof, no evidence. He's just, he knows something's not right. Yeah, well, and you have the two weirdest girls in the in in the town, and then dogs start dying. And, How do you not assume it's your and kids, you're just right? Like, um, uh. Unfortunately, this is how people get like the weirdos get falsely accused of murder, right? Yeah, this is like West Memphis Three setup. This is insane. <laughs> yeah, this if it wasn't them, it. it would have been attributed to them. Yeah, at some point they're gonna point the finger at these girls, and be like you're the one killing dogs. I mean, like literally, your neighbor's dog died, another dog down the street's dead, and all you do all day is take photos of dead things. I think we have a case here. <laughs> Mom is my f- one of my favorite things about this movie. She is th- plays this perfect suburban mother. And you know she is so let down by the fact that she doesn't have, like, two blonde, yeah. preppy 
cheerleader daughters and she's make, doing the best she can with these two weird misfits that she's had yeah but when she finally discovers what her kids are she finds two of uh, two fingers in the backyard that are not fake and no. she thinks they're fake at first she puts them in a tupperware and it's so cute and sweet but then she realizes what they are and this is near the final act where she drives bridget to this party where bridget or where ginger's like full werewolf mode gonna like cause some shit and mum basically says like i'm gonna burn the house down we'll throw gas in the house we'll burn it down we'll, we'll drive away the three of us and we'll start a new life yeah, and you're the, like, the three of dad? us yeah what about, what about dad <laughs> they go he'll never believe us he'll just blame me everybody will that's a that's a strong moment too right because no matter how your kids turn out like you could do everything in your power to make sure that they're normal mm -hmm. and they have a good upbringing but if they become serial killers it's mom's fault yeah but there's also something kind of cool about how they were as parents because you know that they want some something so different from what they are you can just tell by what kind of a mom she is mm -hmm. and like she bakes cookies and glasses of milk yeah and like to wants... talk about what boys want <laughs> <laughs> but she lets them be who they are mm -hmm. and it's i mean it's kind of a coincidence that ginger gets bitten by a werewolf and they actually become like murderers yeah. but those like are the, that's the, the kind of parenting that you at least from the youth end, you strive to have parents like that. Like, those are your dream yeah. parents. Like, yes, they're completely different than you. They don't understand you. But if you come home and you're like, hey, I'm this type of person. I'm gay. I'm transsexual. I'm bi. I'm weird. I'm yeah, <laughs> I like horror movies. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, okay, but, like, fine. Do it in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the line was... Um... Like, I told you no more suicides in the house. Yeah. That's it. That's all it is. Just like, you could do whatever you want. You know, I love you. Just not in the house. So hard to clean up. <laughs> she, her character weirdly disappears and doesn't get to finish up her arc. She goes, Every time I watch it now, I'm like, where's the mom? What Where did she to go? Mom? Yeah. Uh, but you know, for the rest of her life, that character is blaming herself for yeah. whatever the girls did, which I don't know. I think the girls would have gone on a on to have cool lives and been straight and narrow just they would have in their own the way. They would have grown the Sasuke sisters, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Ginger when she's like full werewolf mode at the Halloween party? Um, I love the transformation. I think the special effects in the movie are really great when Ginger starts growing her tail. That's and, fucking hilarious. Yeah, and Bridget like sneaks up on her at night and she peeks down and the tail is like wagging <laughs> as she's sleeping. Like I fucking love it. And I love the like the brow she starts to get and how her she gets the streaks in her hair and yeah. the, the progression is awesome and it's all practical. It's great. The final werewolf is super cool. Yeah. Um she turns in the back of the van. Yeah. Um and is full wolf, like does not look like ginger at all you assume because it's a girl which is super sexist and you it's just what you expect you expect her to be a hot werewolf to be kind of ginger at the party is her final transformation oh i see what you're saying but it's not she becomes a full beast wolf, wolf yeah. thing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where you couldn't like as a human you couldn't discern the gender and no. i think it's got boobs but it does a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, if it's eating your face, you're probably not going to be like, hey, is this thing... It's a girl wolf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How cute. <laughs> How cute. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I think the special effects of this movie are fantastic. And you can tell they're working with a very low restricted budget. I even like that it's just subtle and slow. I don't know that she ever stops being the werewolf. It's hard to say whether or not she actually goes back to being a human ever. Because she hasn't fully transformed into the werewolf yet, and sh her entire body 
is like a prosthetic piece of transformation. I don't really know how else to describe it. She has, she's very angular. She has sharp eyebrows. She's got gigantic teeth. Her eyes are changing. And we're seeing the same in Jason, the, the kid that she had unprotected sex with and infected with her sexually transmitted werewolf disease. <laughs> Genius! I love this movie! Like, it's addressing all of the fears of high school, <laughs> right? Um, but it's, it's such a brilliant move. And I, I really, really super love that Bridget, who is going that extra mile to convince her sister to come with her back to the house where she can infect her with the wolf's bane, whatever it's actually called, the... the cure her. The cure that they've come to... Yeah, that they've made. She cuts her hand and her sister's hand and they make a blood pact. Oh, fuck. That is like the most brilliant line in the movie too, right? Like, there, perfect. Now I'm you. And it's like, I know you are, but what am I? Oh my I? God. <laughs> and you're just like, whoa. That is the fucking mic drop of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the whole theme too, is that um, they are sickly bound to each other in the yeah. beginning of the film. And when adulthood gets in the way and boys start getting in the way like without werewolfism you have the same arc of this movie yeah who who are we without each other yeah. and as you grow into an adult you're going to go on to become completely different people this movie is brilliant in how it addresses both of those things in a werewolf story that's also addressing that same problem it's genius and at the end when she has killed or the sam is there dying he's in a pool of his own blood Ginger, as a werewolf, is going to attack Bridget until Bridget very smartly leans down and starts lapping up his blood, which she can't take. Like, after a while, she vomits, but it looks like they are just two wolves out on on the town, just eating a boy, having a great time. Yeah. It's genius. It's fucking That's, genius. See, the, my second favorite line of the movie comes in this scene where Bridget can't drink the blood and... She just can't do it. And she knows she's probably going to get murdered by Ginger for saying it. But she says, I can't die in this room with you. Yeah. And she's backed into a corner in their own bedroom. And it's, it's their childhood room. Yeah. It's... The entire, like, the lives that they've built together as sisters is that room. Yeah. And then Ginger literally eats that guy in front of her. Like, just lunges at his neck. And it's like, there's nothing wolf about that attack that is solely like a... Hurting you like this you guy, yeah. Thing, and it's such a good... There's so many layers to this movie. <laughs> it's brilliant. And like a lot of indie gems you might come across, you have to sort of forget the budget that you're dealing with. And you're like, oh my god, there's, there's an incredible story inside this low-budget, restricted film. This movie, for me, is an incredible film that I'm occasionally reminded is a low-budget indie movie. I don't think it's ever restricted by its budget or hindered by it. The look and feel of the movie really lends to that 90s suburban teen. Yeah. And it takes me back to my home, my street growing up yeah. when I watch it. There's, it's perfect. If, if they had given the movie more funding, I don't know if it would have been as resonating. And that might be like a location-specific thing, as we said earlier. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this film is nearly perfect. Oh, it's great. I could watch the opening of this movie as a short film over and over again. I think the camera work in it's brilliant. I think it's genius. I think it looks awesome. It sets the tone for the movie, and I'm just so fucking hooked once we start. What's your rating for this movie? I am going to go with a four out of four. Okay! Yeah. That's, that's, 
fucking great. I was feeling a 3.5 when we started, but the more we talk about it, the more I love it. Yeah, and, you know, like you said last time, uh, I, I am also trying to be more sparing with my 4 out of 4s. Uh, I'm giving this a 3.5 out of 4. Oh. So we both at least raised our, uh, <laughs> yeah, we both like Ginger Snaps more is what it comes down to. But we want to hear from you guys what you thought of Ginger Snaps and the craft. Tweet at us at NOFS Podcast on Twitter and sound off in our Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. We are controlling transmission. This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Deadly Grounds. It's good to get a little deadly. More than just horror-themed gourmet coffee, Deadly Grounds brings you their Terror Teas collection. This ain't your grandma's cup of tea. Our pick for blend of the week is Hextasy, a breakfast-style concoction of green and black teas to help you get up and get your hex on. Perfectly caffeinated and loaded with antioxidants. Head over to getdeadly.ca and use the promo code NIGHTMARE at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. I just want to say, <laughs> you said gourmet like movies. We're going to stick around for a little while longer. Kim has put together a game that we're going to play for our patrons. It's a little bit of a witchy vampire crossover and... I'm going to put John to the test and see if he, he can guess what affliction oh. a female character has based on their name alone. Okay, I like that. So if you'd like to hear that game or check out any of the other bonus content available to you as a monthly supporter of the show, head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. Yep, and if you haven't already, please leave us a quick five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you happen to be grabbing this. Uh, it helps us climb the charts and get the show in front of a larger audience, which we are always striving to do. All right, well, that's it for us this week. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the Nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at NOFS Podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line. 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.